Welcome to another episode of Tales from the Tables with your host, Rob Radley, John Charles Ciccarelli, James Burroughs, and Damian Hallwood. Yes, it is still January, and yes, I'm afraid so. And the ice is out. I hope you're all nice and safe out there on the way to work and uh, not slipping all over the place like I did this morning and bashed, bashed my head against the pavement. Yeah, I forgot to tell you guys about that. Yeah, when I was literally... Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got in, went to get in the car and... Uh, as I as I got out of my house, I was like dum dum dum. I'm not really thinking about anything, and just all like ah, slipped over, bashed my head, and yeah, made a complete prat myself in front of the local cat that was looking uh, at me, that <laughs> meowed, and then <laughs> ran off. It, w- yeah, it will it will have judged you. It will. It yes. Oh well, yeah. One way or another, I was I felt fault. judged. I felt judged. Oh, how are you guys doing? All well. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. Thank you. Nice. What's, What's the weather like in New York, JC? Is it all uh... pretty pretty chilly? Probably not as bad yeah. as you guys at the moment, but so, yeah, yeah, we had a lot of black ice too. We had our first snowfall of the year a couple of, oh, uh, couple of days ago. Not too bad. I noticed that one of your um, one of your snowshoes is off the wall behind you. There is that because they've been, yeah. they've been used. Today, or... <laughs> um, <laughs> that's I I don't. These are far older and more decorative than they seem. Um, so the, oh. the it's off the wall because my chair keeps colliding into it. So. Oh right. This is where I like antique. Are they are they antiques? Yeah, yeah. These these are older than I am for sure. Oh so. wow, cool. Antique snowshoes. I like yeah. yeah, they do look antiquey. Mm-hmm. Have they ever been traditionally u- made and everything else? So. Oh wow, okay. Have they ever been used? I I I have put them on. Um, yeah. I have photos of when I was younger and you know trudging along mm. in the snowshoes, but um, I don't think they're used very frequently. So no. So not not part of a D and D costume where you're in Nicewind Dale, no. Kind of thing. Why yeah. why do you say that now? I should have thought of that forty two weeks ago when I started. <laughs> now so. is the perfect time, JC. The frost maiden is out. She's sprinkling yeah. rime and ice over all of our respective homes. It's no, it's, it's time true. to get them out. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. But like then I'll have to switch the camera view to my feet for my players and it'll just be <laughs> <laughs> it'll just be my feet in the camera but my voice coming through during a session. Yeah. So that could be interesting, cool. I guess. I hear you can make good money doing that. Uh, listen, yeah, yeah, why not? The internet is a wonderful place for many th- <laughs> I mean many things. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how's how's Scumfort, Damien? Uh yeah, yeah. frosty. Frosty. Yeah. Where I think we hit minus five overnight. Um Nice. Celsius, so um, oh, wow. yeah, pretty cold. Stay frosty, stay frosty. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty cold here. Nice sprinkle of frost. We did have some snow earlier today, actually, just a, a light dusting, uh, but it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, hey ho. Anyway, no, and James, no, 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 Cam- no snow Cambridgeshire, me. no, no. My car was iced over this morning uh, for work. Yeah, what you do? What's your, what's what your tactics? I... What's your tactic? How'd you, how'd you get how'd you get <laughs> over the ice? What you do? This is embarrassing. Um, because I don't have a proper scraper, the only thing that I could pull out from the kitchen this morning uh, was a wooden spoon. Because oh. usually, obviously, what you use <laughs> is a plastic a plastic fish slice is like a good alternative to like an ice scraper. But I, that had been used the night before, and I hadn't put a dishwasher <laughs> on, so I couldn't use that. Just be smearing like oh like, god, yeah, like pasta all over my windshield. <laughs> of course, of course. So it was a wooden spoon, and the, it's the Italian it took... way to do it. You just throw pasta on the on the yeah. ice. <laughs> 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 I'll let you know if that works. I'll give it a go. Um, yeah. 
but no, yeah, so the wooden spoon was fucking useless, actually. And it took me quite a long time <laughs> to, <laughs> no. to de-ice the front, back and side windows of the car. Do you have, oh. heat, do you have heated windscreens? Uh, I do. So I turned that on and then was scraping away. I, did, I didn't realise my car was going to be frozen over. It didn't look icy outside when I, when I woke up. So I, I mm. thought I was safe. I wasn't safe. No, you're never safe. <laughs> so I was Jane. rushing to do it. <laughs> Next yeah, time, yeah. James, you do what my nana says, all right? You throw a little bit of rigatoni on it, and it just comes right out, no problem. <laughs> I'm just imagining the neighbors the neighbors looking out of the, the curtains, like bleary-eyed, <laughs> and seeing just these crimson guts of pasta all over the front of a car, <laughs> and the first impression that that would give. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> Is everyone okay? They're fine. <laughs> Oh, just getting rid of this pasta sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh mm, I actually quite fancy pasta now. Oh, you said yeah, that. Oh, it's lunchtime, isn't it? That's why. I'm not having lunch. It's like started at like, was it something start about half 12, isn't it? Now it's like 10 to 1. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. I could, yeah, really, do, I could really do with some pasta. What's your, what's, what's, your, what's your favorite, what's your favorite uh, Italian dish, guys? What you, would you like? What's your go to? Oh, God. How can I choose? Uh, Man. Super boring. Lasagna all the That's way. A good, boring? A good, yeah. a good lasagna. Boring, man. Lasagna is great. I Forget love about. a good it's lasagna. Yeah. If you uh, get chicken a... parm for me, I think. Yeah. 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 If you get um, a good if you get a good lasagna, you're on the money. Have you yeah. guys have you guys seen um the Italian chopped tomatoes tins that you can get that are like really, really nice? Yes, I have had one of those when I was actually in London, believe it or not. Yeah, they're really so good, good, aren't they? They're really yeah. good. Oh yeah. my gosh. It's like it's like there's like it's like you get like cheapy ones that you can buy on the shelf, but there's like this one tin. They they look like they're straight from Italy. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't remember the name of them, but oh my god, you stick them yeah. in a pasta sauce. Ah. Oh. It's it's Forget so rich. It. It's so mm. thick. It, it's really really good. I also yeah. I, I'm a big fan of gnocchi. Um, oh yeah, no, I know, yeah, yeah just it, with the right kind of like pesto sauce mixed in mm. with a couple of other things, it makes a great like mid afternoon snack and or or something to accompany a, a lighter dinner. It's so good. Oh man, I'm starving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm starving. We'll keep I talking skip, about food. We can make this a D and D food episode. Ooh. I'll get my uh, my my official Watsi cookbook, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, actually, when you do D and D downtime with your groups, and you have you've ever sort of I don't know if you've ever done this with any of your any of your groups, but um, what's your go to thing to do? Do you do you have like meals with with them? Do you have your own, the NPCs that you're playing, or what kind of stuff do you guys do? I have one. I have a my my players always have a drinking contest. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, and they they roll they roll up against each other in a drinking contest to see who who drinks the most, and then a small trophy is passed from one to another <laughs> within wow. the party. And it has like various effects. So as um, they get more inebriated, it goes from like oh you're slightly <laughs> tipsy. Okay, now you're now you're huggy. You you wanted to hug everyone. Then you're singy. You want to just sing all the time, nice. so you need to do that in character. <laughs> and then you're unintelligible, but very talkative. Uh, and then you're unconscious. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, no, there is another one. There's just a silent <laughs> a silent stage as well, where you're just trying desperately to keep it together. And then you're See, now, James, you're making me pull out my homebrew rules for inebriation, which I have all time. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Damien? Do you have a system for that? Mm. Uh, no, not not specifically. Mm. Um, historically, a lot of the campaigns I've run have been way out of the bounds of civilization. So a lot of the downtime mm. is around camp. Um, my favorite my favorite thing about that downtime is is whenever I get an extended 
role-playing session out of that when the guys are on watch or just sitting down to get the camp prepared and they start a conversation and especially when it's a conversation that's kind of leads into asking one of them usually asking questions about another's motives or backstory or something that they were afraid of and why and these kind of questions that come up and it, it grows into this extended just one of the best sort of GM sit back and watch moments of just yeah. seeing them converse and bring their characters yeah. to life. And yeah, I love that. I love it. Those, are, that those are my favorites. When you get to just literally do nothing for five minutes apart from drinking <laughs> and appreciate, even yeah. now and then I'll like I'll pull up my notebook and write notes while they're, while they're doing that, if they're sharing personal mm. stories and stuff, but it's, yeah, it's the beautiful thing. How do you encourage them to do that? I generally, um, as part of uh, setting watches, aside from obviously asking them to decide uh, the order of watch and who will watch when and who's going to be together, um, I'll try and encourage uh, mixing that up so that different people get to be on watch at different times together. And also make sure I always ask as part of downtime, whether it's a camp uh, you know, overnight or whether it's just resting at all, is make sure I'm always asking, is there anything anybody wishes to discuss? Not just what do you want to do or who's setting watch, but is there anything you guys want to yeah. discuss? Yeah, is anybody there anything you want of to note talk that you to? guys are doing? Are yeah. you working on a kit? Are you, yeah, so I, I usually beyond ask. That, right? Yeah, beyond that, asking specifically, is there anybody you want to talk to? Is there anything you want to discuss? Uh, and that tends to prompt people to think, oh, yeah, there was that, you know, they behaved a little strangely on that last little adventure. I wanted to ask them about that. So it usually prompts mm -hmm. people to kind of ask a probing question and then that kind of gets the ball rolling on. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny you bring that up, Rob, because um, mm. I pulled up my inebriation rules, which happens to be on the same page as my role play during rests optional rule. Oh, really? um, so here I'll, I'll, I'll read it out. It's, a, it's not too long, but um, this is something that I think I tried. I haven't officially like implemented this. This is just something I have there for people to know that it's an option. Um, but here, here it goes. So role play during rests. Uh, these are optional rules to help explore relationships between characters and to help develop backstories. Uh, bullet one, every short rest requires at least one minute of real-time roleplay between two or more characters. Every long rest requires at least five minutes of real-time roleplay between two or more characters. Or, if characters are taking alternate watches, one minute per shift. Every hour of travel or more, this is what I try to use to make you know long bouts of travel a little bit more dyna dynamic instead of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, instead of... Uh, just cutting to like the next significant yeah. moment. Yeah, like a, um, like a montage. montage. Like yeah. a montage, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Every hour of travel or more requires one minute of real-time roleplay between two or more characters. So this is how it works. Once per rest, one character picks another and rolls a charisma ability check. The selected character can be chosen randomly, like rolling a dice. If there's four, you roll a d4, whatever. Or via a round-robin style. Repeats are excluded until everyone has got a chance. A high result, 17 or higher on these charisma checks, means a bond. The characters find a topic they bond over. And that could be anything, right? Just, um, you know, if it's music, if it's their favorite food, if just some, some topic that they, they like together. A middling result, 9 to a 16, you reveal something about that other character's backstory or background that wasn't previously known. And this can help put people on the spot too, right? And just like have them generate or improvise something about their background. They can also discover the answer to a question that they have about that character. 
And then cool. a low result, eight or lower, means bad blood. The characters find a topic they adamantly disagree over. Oh, Feel wow, free to okay. play out the scene. Players can decide in advance what they want to see be the scene about or what they want the scene to be about. Or they can improvise it on the fly. But either way, the rolling character gets to, quote, set the scene. Nice. Yeah. That's really fucking cool. Could you send it to me, JC? Yeah, yeah very sure, cool. Sure. Yeah, because yeah, really, that's, that's ace. Really ace. Would you be, I, uh, ha- would you be happy I with really us need sharing to, like, it? Go back to this and implement yeah. it a little bit more. But yeah, would you be happy sharing it in the? Um, would you happy me sharing it in the podcast? Next? Yeah, yeah. So people can Discord, people sure. can have a yeah. Sweet. Absolutely. I mean, if you want, I can send you the whole page with my stacking inebriation levels too, which includes. <laughs> I have so I have levels one through six. Uh, at, you are you're always at level zero, which is sober. No additional effects, of course. Then you yep. get to level one is buzzed, two is tipsy, three is sloshed. Four is plastered, but depending on the UK audiences that I sometimes have, this could be something else. You guys have about a million other terms for, for drunk than we, <laughs> that we don't. Then five is wasted, and six is officially passed out. So at buzzed, you have advantage on saving throws against being frightened, which is like a positive effect because you have a little liquid courage, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then tipsy is unable to concentrate, take the dash action, or move more than 10 feet in the same direction each turn. Uh, right. <laughs> sloshed in the level three is gain temporary hit points equal to your con mod plus one hit die roll, because at this point the alcohol is kind of giving you that numbing feeling. Um, four is slowed, meaning you know, you're moving at half speed and you can speak only falteringly. Uh, five being wasted is speed reduced to zero. You just can't move anymore. And resistance to non-magical bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. And then six is unconscious. And you have a minus one stacking penalty to all rolls uh, until you get there. So alternating cool. good and bad benefits, basically. And do they do they stack like uh, exhaustion, except for where, of course, they supersede each other, like speed, yeah. half speed, zero. They they stack, I assume. and Yeah, yeah, they yeah. stack. Um, and uh, I, I have rules for it where it's like for every hour that passes, you can repeat a saving throw, reducing your inebriation by one on a success. Finishing a short rest officially reduces your level by one, as does anything that cures poison. And then finishing a long rest removes all inebriation levels as long as you ingest some food and non-alcoholic drink. Um, But then there's also hangovers. So if you have three or more and then you do a long rest, you have to roll a final con save or be hungover. And to remember anything from that night, you have to make an intelligence saving throw with 10 plus the <laughs> highest level you attained during the last 24 hours and stuff. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll send it. I'll send it so you guys can take a look and steal it. Yeah, can. definitely do. Because yeah. I'll be well interested in that because it's, I've got a, my group at the moment that I'm playing with. They're, they're wonderful. They're like, you know, they're great guys, great group, mm. group of guys. Really, really cool. Um, the only element they really struggle with is is putting across their own individual character stories in some way. So in order to build them, their characters, individual arcs, it's been really difficult for me to do that because they don't, because they don't tend to, they just want to just like crack on with the story. They want to figure out what's going on here, figure out what's going on there, solve that puzzle, kill that monster. Okay. What's this happening here? Da-da-da-da. Ask this NPC these questions and then move on. There's like no mm. like into, into like play between themselves. Mm. So that would so be really So they don't helpful. really know too much about themselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. that'd be, yeah, that'd be yeah, really, really helpful. Too. Nice one. Cool. Thank you very much, JC. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, really, really cool. So what, what news is there this week then, uh, Damien? Yeah, there's uh, there's a couple of things. Um, we'll, we'll start with the uh, 
the sort of sad news first because there was a uh, a passing in the industry. Um, uh, Janelle Jaquez, uh she's a, a designer and illustrator. She passed away at sixty seven uh, from a disease called Guillain Barre syndrome, which is apparently rare, not necessarily fatal, but in this wow. case, sadly, has been. Um, she was kind of, it sounds like she's been pretty instrumental in the early days of things like TSR. Um, she's also gone on to work for Chaosium of Call of Cthulhu fame. Uh, she worked on uh, video games, including an id software on Quake. Um, wow. So she's kind of been throughout the gaming space. Uh, uh, and she's also a, a campaigner for uh, transgender rights as well, and has been instrumental in some uh, laws being passed in the states for that too. So a pretty remarkable, uh, pretty remarkable woman. It sounds like. Yeah, um, that's a shame. A lot of her artwork, unfortunately, is from before I was really into the hobby. But looking at some of it's beautiful. She did a, a cover for uh, an adventure called Dragon Mountain from Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Beautiful sort of icy blue background with a big red dragon on the front of it, spreading its oh, wings cool. and looking fierce. Um, so yeah, that's. Oh, she did a lot of like the Forgotten Realms covers from yeah. uh, AD and D. I see, I see. Yeah, very yeah. like iconic, colorful second edition and third edition stuff. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Class, very classic style of of art. Um, and it seems like um, a bunch of designers are planning to memorialize her with a uh, uh, basically like a mega dungeon game jam where they're accepting submissions currently for uh, rooms, tiles, ideas uh, that can all be used in a big uh, product that I assume is going to be published or at least released online. Mm. Um, So that's pretty cool that they're all kind of rallying around to pay homage to to someone who's clearly had a a big impact on the industry. Right on. Uh, So sad sad news uh, to begin with. Uh, The rest of it is really... uh, this continuing trend of more people getting into the RPG space, yeah. um, <laughs> and certainly, if not the RPG space, then the fantasy RPG space. Um, it looks like uh, uh, Son of Oak, who produced uh, City of Mist, are uh, getting into the TTRPG space with Legend in the Mist, which oh, will okay. uh, be cool. on Kickstarter in February, uh, and is described as... Um, being a kind of uh, an old fireside tale is the term they used. Uh, it's really beautiful artwork. It's kind of it's that kind of uh, Western anime style that looks like the the main image okay, that yeah, they're, they're showing for it. Um, and it it uses a system that sounds like it's less dice and more kind of uh, RP heavy and and using descriptors and and. Uh, things like that to to achieve things rather than dice rolling. I have I I've never played City of Mist, but I've I've heard of it. It's this sort of neo noir um modern role playing game. Right. What's um, what's it called again? City um, of City of Mist is the game that is, is the game. already Oh uh, no, I mean this this new cool. system Adventures in the Mist. Legend in the Mist. Oh, Legend in the Mist. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, I was but, just yeah. checking it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it sounds really nice. I think they're going to be releasing a uh, a source book for it too, for uh, their own campaign world. But you're, of course, as with any of these, you're free to to create your own. Um, yeah, it's it, more and more people. It seems are diving into the fantasy role playing scene. Um, Good. 
which <laughs> can, can only be can only be a good thing, right? I mean, competition uh, fuels creativity. So, welcome yeah. to the dark side. <laughs> we have cookies. Yes. That's um, what's uh? How's that MCDM RPG thing going? Because didn't uh, they like is fundraise it over four million now? Jeez, is it four, really four and a half million? Uh, I think. Wow, holy shit! That's insane. That yeah, doing really really well. But their other like work is was quality stuff, so it makes sense that people sort of trust them to yeah. produce them in worth worth backing. Yeah, yep. they've done some amazing uh, sort of third party source books for Five E. Um, yeah, yeah. I I picked up their last one, uh, Flea Mortals. I put that in. I put in my uh, Kickstarter backer for that like two years ago, and they finally released the physical edition. And I've been digging through it. It's it's really good. It's a yeah, lot I need fun. to. Get but like, that. you can kind of tell based on how many optional rules that they put in there that they were already thinking about an RPG in the future, right? Because yeah. it's it's five E compatible, but with a lot of extra alternate stuff. It's not just stat blocks. It's referencing a lot of new mechanics and conditions and things like that that don't necessarily. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily know just off the bat. You have to kind of read the intros. So I was I was reading it through, and I'm like, hmm, I can see where this is going, Matt. I know what you're up to. And sure enough, now we have their four million dollar thing. Four, I believe they've already six. said. Uh, yeah, Jeez. I believe they've already said that those all of those books are going to be uh, reworked to be. Yeah, uh, used in there if official if, if they MCDM. need it, they're going to be reused to to uh, work in that system for them as well. Um, I think I I get the impression. I don't know if he's said as much uh, out loud, but I get the impression that um, Matt Colville and his team are, are quite heavily inspired by Fourth Edition, a very yeah. tactical game with lots of options and this idea of different monsters having different roles on the battlefield that are specifically uh, called out. Controller. Uh, anybody, yeah, yeah controller, yeah, lurker. Uh, if anybody yeah. knows 4th edition very well, it, it did used to have this system where each monster would have a, a role on the battlefield and it would encourage you to use them that way. So you'd have one, in, a lurker in the background would be your kind of rogue or your creeping shadow uh, monster. You'd mm. have a controller, which would be your warlord at the front of the battle, kind of guiding or working a lot like a, a fighter, a battlemaster fighter, I think, kind mm. of directing the field you'd have minions as well which are these uh, monsters that function as normal monsters but they only have a single hit point allowing you to wade through huge numbers of them but them still be a threat it's it really does sound like this new system that they're creating is going to have some inspirations from that style of game um Mm. and i have i have thought about going back and running a fourth edition game because it is very different to fifth edition mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. your abilities are tied to that you have like daily abilities and encounter abilities which work a bit like spells but even fighters and barbarians have these like daily abilities very much like a, an mmo like world yeah. of warcraft mm-hmm. or something like yeah, that everything had a power i remember when i ran my very first 5e game and people were like making their characters and one of my friends said i don't understand where are where's my stuff and i said what do you mean like your inventory and she's she was like no 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 where are my powers and i was like ah you played fourth edition didn't you Mm -hmm. and she was playing a rogue it wasn't like she had much magic at level one but um she was used to seeing like the abilities that you could do the little green boxes that you would get that could tell you what kind of powers and abilities you had so yeah yeah, I remember. Did you did you guys play 4E, Robin? Uh, I, no? I no, I had it. 
I had it and mm. we I think we did like a small one shot sort of introduction game and um yeah I liked I liked how it provided players with a balanced and structured set of abilities um and it really emphasized teamwork in combat which was mm. good yeah that's that's yeah. kind of what that was, that was a big part of it for sure yeah. yeah that's definitely what I took what I took away from it when I when I in comparison to like 5th edition 5th edition doesn't really it's I think 5th edition is more kind of it's, it, it's aimed more at the accessibility for newcomers right i find and it and once they're in it's like it's like okay you're gonna work out your tactics and it's yeah. like well yeah. well i don't know it was in fourth edition it's like you clearly have like a set like you have to you have to have tactics you because need the tactics it's there because, from the beginning yeah. yeah because your dm is coming at you with a very tactical sort of you know approach yeah. so yeah i think it's a, it's a shame that fifth edition or or maybe they'll do this with the next with the future editions that D D will bring out. Um being able to choose between the two. You know, yeah. being able to have being able to have a tactical approach and these are your options. But if you don't want to do that and you want to have a newcomer approach, these are your options. You know? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I, I do like how in fifth edition, even though it's not as tactical, there is that sort of growth into it and you can see and encourage it, right? You start mm. with a new group of players and it's just kind of whatever they throw whatever at the wall and see what sticks and they dive right into it but then later on you know they learn about flanking sure it's an optional rule um but they learn about flanking or they learn about cover and they start uh you know coming up with things like standard marching order and stuff like that and little by yeah. little they they get a little bit more tactical and then you can start upping the challenge it's it's a nice thing to watch develop yeah definitely i think as well fifth edition focuses so much more on storytelling and narrative to kind of start coming out of the game and start talking about tactics and so on it it starts to feel like a game really yeah. doesn't it you know and that's i think that might be why they why they went in a different direction with it is because with fifth edition you've got that immersion and you're in it you know um i don't know it's uh it'd be nice it'd be nice to play to play fourth edition again i'd definitely give it a go it's definitely a more gamey game mm. it's, it's definitely mm. more a, a kind of flirts with board game cross video game space yeah yeah, it feels that. that way. Um, it's not as it almost that you demanded can't... a battle, a battle map, and minis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it was designed with that in mind. Um, yeah. Was yeah, it because a... it talked about movement in squares as its default? I remember yeah. that. It yeah, wasn't yeah. even talking about yeah. feet. It was just like when you are adjacent, meaning one square next to your enemy, you can hit. One thing I re before we move on, one thing I really miss from Fourth Edition, the Monster Manual specifically, because I've said before I'm a big Monster Manual guy is they used to have, aside from having quite a nice variety, even in singular monsters, um, they'd have a variety of different types of that monster all in the book, mm. which is less common now. Uh, the one thing I really miss is they used to have a section for every monster. They would have a DC scale for law checks or nature checks or arcana checks to to tell you what you would be able to know about that monster right. which was yeah, a really yeah, nice reference cool. yeah that's really cool yeah. Uh, because, yeah like if they meet a dc 10 they learn this but if they get a 15 they get a little the next yeah. paragraph and a 20 is yeah. the final paragraph that's right? really helpful that would be really helpful it was yeah. yes and i still i still i still occasionally if i'm if i'm running a monster that i know people might have questions about or one that's quite obscure i will often dig out my fourth edition monster manual find the equivalent and use a an appropriate because the dcs were a lot higher in fourth edition um but um i'll use an appropriate scale of that information because it can be tricky i think or at least i find it tricky maybe you guys don't but i find it tricky sometimes when somebody says how much do i know about this creature and it's in the moment trying to think right how much do i know about this creature how much can i remember about the law what would they feasibly know 
uh, what yeah. class are they? You know, it, mm. it, it can be mm. tricky in the moment. To... Yeah. Not interesting if I tell you. Like, yeah, exactly. You want, like, yeah. Be, like a bit of a surprise in a combat, maybe. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't, obviously, I don't own the fourth edition book because I've, I've never read it. Um, so I didn't know that was in it. But that would be really useful if they'd kept that for the next edition um, because I just make it up on the fly <laughs> and just have to work, like eyeball it and hope <clears> for the best. And yeah, having a like a solid table there would be very helpful. Yeah. I, I have I have a list here of um future Roldark Press ideas that I've that I've basically been like I've had it on my desk for, for probably a year now. As you can see, it's had lots of coffee spilt over it over the years. <laughs> oh and my god. And it looks actually this is actually what it like I've not this has not been doctored in any way. It's He's not actually saying that that's just <laughs> real coffee. Desk. This is what happens if you spend a year on my desk. <laughs> How are, you, how are you that clumsy, Rob? You've spilled that much coffee on your <laughs> Hey, he fell on his head year, today, man. all right? In the good good yeah. Exactly. I am, I am pretty clumsy. I've got like, <laughs> got like two left feet and yeah, I'm ridiculous. But I've got here, but I've, I have actually got here what your players no, ta- no tables. So what your players like, so so history of, so I don't, I don't have monsters actually. I've got history of things like that they would check. So do like a table of what like so say for example if you're in like a I don't know like a a town or whatever how it, like what would they roll so that's quite a cool thing that, that they mentioned that because um I might do that I might have to make it but I've also got what have I done so far I've done a player's guide to compelling backstories I've done an NPC generator and I've done a GM's guide to world building and I've got um would you like to see what I've got on my list should I read it read out what I've got yeah 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 one shot adventures, campaign setting, a GM's guide to improvisation, a hundred traps, and how to make your own. Oh, I've done that one. I've taken that one off. Yep, done that. Um, a one shot generator, an improvisation generator, an encounter generator, a GM's guide to building encounters, a GM's guide to Im- uh, immersive game mastery, a player's guide to strategies and combat, character backstory generator, a player's guide to compelling backstories, which I've already done. Um, uh, a monster bundle, an NPC bundle, a GM's guide to building NPCs, an NPC generator, a world building generator, a GM's guide to world building, a GM's guide to storytelling, a GM's guide to strategies in combat, a player's guide to role playing, a GM's guide to voice acting, a big bad evil guy generator, a GM's Ooh. guide to creating big bad evil guys, a magic items bundle, creating create a role how to create a role playing game oh no no sorry this is actually me create a role playing game <laughs> right yeah Bro, it's like right, the, right down the, the list rb rpg Robert. <laughs> yeah. a dungeon generator cursed magic item bundle a hundred puzzles and how to make your own how to be a pro gm a game master's guide to vivid descriptions Ooh. and then what your players know monster table well, table. I put in monsters because of what you just said. Cool. Then Thanks. I've got. Then I've got. Then I've got Coxspur Phantom One Hundred because that's the new a new plane on the Microsoft Flight Simulator that I'd like to buy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I'm in the website list. as like a title of an article, and people will be like, "What the heck is this?" <laughs> it's just a live stream yeah. of you being on the joystick, being like, "Yeah." <laughs> it does I have sound. Thought, I have thought about doing it. Monster. I have thought about doing it. I've got um I've got two little two little monitor screens on their way to me at the moment. I'm gonna have either side of my monitor. It's gonna have my my flying instruments on, so I can get a little bit closer to the um to the view of the actual aircraft when I'm flying mm-hmm. in flight simulator. So I've got mm-hmm. those instruments down there, so I could just look down there and see him and be like, yeah. Do you have to with, with those sims? Do you have to? Uh, <laughs> this is a complete tangent, but I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. also have to like 
pretend to like know the different coding and, and words for communicating with the aircraft towers and stuff? Uh, yeah, when you're when you're live on Vatsim, you do. Yeah, so you need to know your A tracks, you need to know your stars and SIDs, which I which I know. So, so I've, I've I've done it a few times where you've basically you're t- you're speaking to um, air traffic controllers who are training to be air traffic controllers. There's like right. a whole network of them, and you can sign up to it. You have to pass like an exam and stuff How to basically cool know those that? things. <laughs> it's it's fucking sick. It's so immersive. Like I have to like ask for like you know um, like like for like you know for my clearance for different airports, yep, permission yep. to land. Yeah, whether or not I'm going to do an IFR clearance or if I'm going to do a VFR clearance, all of that. Sure. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I fucking love it. PFD and BBC and that's it. PNG and SH SHIT and JPEG. Yeah, yeah, It's really, it's really, it's really geeky. I geek out on it so much. It's so nerdy. I know, but I love it. I love it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my pilot, private pilot's license at one stage in my life. I, I feel like it's something that I have to do. Yeah. Well, like when, when you it. have the rolled dark, you know, airport, I'm gonna need a private jet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. The rolled dark private jet, jet black Honda jet. You see the Honda Dude, jet? Wait, Ooh. wait. No. D at thirty thousand feet. Yeah. We could do this. We could. And a we private could jet. jet. Yeah, take it that on a so on a four sick. hour trip from one a, from point A to point B, or just do a loop. Whatever, it doesn't matter. And you're Bro. playing D and D at that at that height. It would be great at that elevation. While eating pasta, amazing. <laughs> yeah, getting served pasta while playing D and D, and I'm flying you. Rob's yeah. flying you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll make the pasta. I'll, I'll be the cook in the back. Be like, cool. all right, everybody, we got it. Get ready. You're gonna have. You want the meatballs? <laughs> you don't want the meatballs? What's wrong with you? All right. Well, where where could we go? We could just do like trips to New York and back, couldn't we? Just like ferry yeah. ferry JC into the UK every now and yeah. again. Just <laughs> <laughs> this is this is great for me. Yeah, <laughs> that'd I'll be take. cool. Yeah. What would also be really fucking cool is if you could somehow get like an old school steamliner and do mm. that do that titanic trip while playing while doing a live action lap on the steam liner <laughs> yeah yeah murder mystery fucking style. ace yeah that would be ace and then you can even pretend it's been hit yep obviously obviously you'd have to have a huge disclaimer saying it like don't use the life rafts we haven't actually hit an iceberg <laughs> but let's pretend that we have it's like oh, that uh, man, Rick and Morty episode so where they go on the Titanic awesome. recreation and everyone's like looking forward to hitting the iceberg, but it misses <laughs> yeah. the iceberg yeah. and it has the same effect. <laughs> Mass hysteria. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. like, no, we missed. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. D&D in every environment. That's that's the eventual goal. That would be world takeover. Flipping brilliant. If we could, if we could do that, that'd be great. That'd be so good. Uh, I want to... You could also, ages you could also, ago, oh, go on, no, go on, go, go on. Eight, ages ago, I was applying for a job um, for the British Antarctic Survey. Uh, and I was <laughs> as like, as like, one of their social media um, executives, I think. Um, <laughs> and I was like, imagine if I could get, get, use their social media to put out like a, a Call of Cthulhu game from the antarctic like at the oh man man it's like that would be so sick the thing thing, that would be that'd be so awesome did you i told you guys i watched that recently didn't i the thing watched it halloween yeah Yeah. Yeah. oh god what a what a film absolutely what a film 
That was the one that I had oh. seen, and then about a week later, I ran into Keith David at a supermarket, and I was freaking out. I was like, ah! <laughs> My God. Yeah. It's so bloody good. Yeah, so good. I, I, is there a thing RPG? There's a no, board game. Yeah, it's called... There's a board game. There's a board game. I think an RPG would be kind of hard to do. I've thought about this myself. I often spend a lot of my time thinking about my favorite things and how they would be an RPG. Intended. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, I, I think it would be quite hard to do just because of the the betrayal and and the mechanic of having somebody change partway mm-hmm. through the game and things like that. It would be the board game sounds like it does a pretty good shot. job of it. For a one-shot, yeah, perfect. But an actual full RPG, I think it would be quite hard to do, especially long-running. Yeah, because yeah. in a way, because it's basically it's a haunted house, right? The thing is a haunted yeah. house. Yeah. Um, if you've, if, I know you guys have played, some of you have played Betrayal and House on the Hill, haven't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love so, that. So, oh, yeah. so, that, so that's, that, that could basically be Thing. I imagine that's what Thing is, the board mm. game. I imagine yeah. it's the same kind of rule sets because like you start Sounds off investigating. Similar. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Like there's some kind of halfway yeah. through. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you you could, you could the betrayer. have a lot of fun with it. I so so on this vein, um, I what did I watch recently? One of the Jordan Peele films, um, and it was about doppelgangers. And I thought this, I, I, oh. I started having this idea. Was, what was us. it? Yeah, us. us, us, right? I keep wanting to say this is us, and I'm like, no, it's not that. That's a different show. <laughs> um, but that's romantic comedy. I love the idea of, uh, you know, not knowing who your friends are or things that can replace you, things like in the thing, like you have to sort of suss out what's what. And I wanted to ask you guys, what's your sort of ideal scenario for that? Like, give a good example of where you mess with your players as to who's who with them and, and that kind of trickery. Yeah, Damien. I've, I've done it. Well, probably the most one of the most memorable sessions of our home campaign was they had been with a group of NPCs for quite a while. Hmm. Uh, and NPCs they, they liked, they got on really well with, and they were traveling across Chult with these NPCs. And at some point, while they were off on a separate adventure that they kept the NPCs out of, um, just to keep them safe, uh, I had decided that at that point, the doppelgangers had replaced them, captured Oof. the NPCs, the whole, and replaced the whole them. group of NPCs. Oh, yeah, God. Uh, doppelgangers play a big role in my home game. There's 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 a whole thing uh, which I won't go too much into if you guys are listening. Um, but this this was this is a while ago now, and one one session when they were having their downtime, we talked about downtime, and they were having their conversations. Um, a couple of these NPCs took a couple of them away. Uh, and, and said like I just want to I really I need to talk to you about something um, and it was two players specifically one of them was my wife so really sorry um, <laughs> and partway through that conversation um, the, it turned out they were working for the uh, the Zentarim oh, or Zentarim yes. uh, mm. the the dark guild of uh, the Black Forgotten Network. Realms law yeah the Black Network uh, and they basically midway through that conversation uh, said. The Zentarum send their regards and drove a blade into each of their guts, just out, <laughs> out, out of nowhere. And yeah. they, and that was the end of this. That was right at the end of the session. And man, they, they, to this day, they talk about being completely blindsided by it. But how it was so frightening and so, like made them tremble. Um, the idea that they had just been 
infiltrated without their knowledge mm-hmm. um, was so frightening that they they just loved it. They 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 loved mm. it because they felt so strongly about it because yeah. they've been so heavily betrayed and so blindsided that they they just loved it so much. I, I love the long game stuff like that. It's sick. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so awesome yeah how about you james you thinking of one uh i don't think i what i really do want to do though is run a false hydra at some point uh, i was um, just about to bring that up how <laughs> weird is that i was <laughs> just about to bring that up and honestly like I, I i would have to do it with a new group if i wanted to do it right right and then at, i read this idea someone had it done really really well where and it might have even been the original author um where you start and you drop hints from the beginning or, or these random confusing moments where suddenly, you know, in the middle of combat, for no reason, the monster seems to, uh, you know, take an extra hit or, or um, you're healed out of nowhere, right? Like, okay, yeah. um, you know, uh, Damien, you regain four hit points and uh, James, you notice that the creature in front of you seems to wince as it uh, opens up a new wound from the side and people are like, what the hell is going on? And then... 20 sessions later you start learning about the cleric as that you had in, as the fifth member of your party that you just can't remember like if you really start setting it up from then oh how oh, wow. sick would that be I, I really want to do a false hydra yeah I have, a, I have a player who wants me to run a false hydra at some point as well and I feel like you either need total buy in from your players where you can be like oh you've the, the shopkeeper tells you you've never like heard of that person before or tells you about someone and you're like, oh, I don't know who that. And they're like, well, they were, they were with you last time you came in. They're like, I've never been here before, but your players mm. need to be able to know that that's what they're playing into. So they either need to yeah, do your way um, where you sort of like breadcrumb it and they find out slowly, oh, there was someone with us all along we've, and we've mm. forgotten them that way. Or you go, they go in knowing that there's going to be some memory alteration from the get-go and they don't necessarily know the, all the details of that. But like, if someone tells you something, just yes and it. Like you, right, you right. Don't start arguing with the DM being like, no, I I remember this. And you're like, I'm telling you, your character doesn't remember it though. So yeah, it will yeah, save yeah. you, you have that. to, You have to buy into it. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> yeah. What about you, Rob? Would you ever do that? Um, I definitely... Yeah, I definitely give that a go. I think. I think. It, I think there's um, any kind of opportunity to make to make it to raise the stakes mm. in situations is worth doing. You know, especially when you're because a, a lot of the time when you're running D and D games, and I've, I think this is kind of what's happening at the moment with my with my game, things are starting to go a bit sort of samey samey. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think in order to kind of you got to like sort of start introducing different things and. That's why I said about your downtime uh, table, JC, because I think that's so good is that it, it, it introduces that element of just like a t- totally different angle that you can take with your game. So yeah, I'll definitely look at that. I've, I really, I really want to invent the thing RPG. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be so good. The paranoia that they'd have between the char- between each character. Cause I've played nemesis quite a bit. The, um, the space game. Have okay. you guys played that? Yeah. Nemesis? yeah, yeah. 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 Where you've got to like, where you basically, everyone has a secret objective. Yeah. And it's like one of the secret objectives would be like, destroy the ship and get on the escape Ooh. pods. Would be like one person's another ones will be like capture an alien and get it back to earth in the ship. 
Nice. Like there's like there's like everyone's got a secret objective, but you all wake up with amnesia and you don't recognize what the rooms are, and you have to go around the rooms, turning them over. It's very similar to Betrayal on the House on the Hill in that respect, where you have to like flip, yeah. flip the rooms over. Sounds it's a, a great, bit like it's a great a game. Senator of Among Us or something. Mm. Like that. It it's really good. Work. It could work a little. Um, as you've been saying that, and and of course, Nemesis is quite clearly heavily inspired by Alien. Yeah. Um, in its kind of themes and design, having run the Alien role playing game, it often plays a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Especially the 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 pre-published sort of one shots or smaller campaigns that they do, they always give the the players um, secret objectives yeah. for each of the acts of the of the session that, that is they cool. have to achieve. And and of course, being alien, chances are one of them might either be a a company rep who's just I trying to make to a lot say, of money. Can you one be them, a company rep? Yeah, one of them might oh, be brilliant. One of them might be a synthetic. One of them yeah, might be a synthetic, yeah, and it's and it's the it's the two sides of both of those coins. So there's the company rep who you absolutely know is going to betray you. Turns out they're the only good guy in the group, versus the the classic, um, Berg. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the same with the android. It's it's the Bishop Ash thing, where it's like one yeah. android could be deadly and and a real problem, versus it could be a, a totally friendly and helpful. Before you get impaled, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go down to my to my local shop in a minute and buy that. The I've been reading it a lot. Me and my mates would love that because so, I because I only thought you could be colonial marines, but if you could be if you could be like an android, you could, it's like like the alien rather than aliens. Right. Right. Because I because lo- I love that dynamic a lot where you've got like you know a couple of guys who are just like miners that are on board the ship and they just want their payday. You've got the company. Um, well, but in the original film, is it the android is the company guy? Yeah, and then you yeah. got Ripley, who's like you know the first officer. Then you have got the captain, who's just trying to like you know lawful good his way out of the whole situation. Mm-hmm. You know, then it's... you got the cat. And the cat's very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cat. Yeah, of course. It's it's fucking great. Like dynamic alien. Yeah, yeah really it's, it's, good. it makes for a good TTRPG, like a good time around the table. And honestly, Definitely. I love the idea in any game of of having a secret that mm. you get to to often reference. Icewind Dale does it officially, right? So Damien, you know this and and, yep. and those of you who have played, um you all it's it's encouraged and the DM is allowed to encourage it that you all pick a secret or two. Mm. I I had a couple of people start my home game with a couple of secrets. Um including one that was like a ticking time bomb, you know, spoilers <laughs> for those of you who have the who want to play the module, but one of the secrets is that you can have a slod tadpole gestating in your chest. And unless it's healed in some, sometime in three, I think in the next three months or something like that, it will burst. And the book even reminds you of like, if you have anybody in your party with the slod tadpole secret, this might be a good place for it to suddenly burst. And you're like, that but that's death that it's alien style death like there's it's not like you take a lot of damage and maybe you live or die it is just your character wipes out and then a little thing scurries away into the corners to to grow into a full-grown slot um but there's all kinds of things you can be the the owl bear whisperer or something or the in or a yeti you were adopted by yetis you could have like a faction secret like you're secretly working for the harpers but someone in your party is secretly working for the zents and I kind of started doing the same thing with my um, Ravenloft home game as well. Um, my like Domains of Dread, uh, mm. sort of Shadowfell thing, where they all have a dark gift, which is just something that they slowly discover throughout 
their their adventure and they increasingly bond with it which and, and if you haven't checked out the dark gifts from van richten's guide i know it's not that popular um but you should check it out because they're a lot of fun um you could have like a living sentient shadow and every time you roll you, you get certain benefits from it but every time you roll a natural one something bad might occur from these dark gifts right because they are of course from bad patrons and and the the dark powers that dwell in the mists between realms it's really really fun <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I just had a thought. Sick. Uh, talking of talking of Barovia, uh, that might be a, a cool way to run like a, a false hydra. You just do it in a demi plane, and because your memory is always being erased, you could be like, okay, so you go, you you start in one village, you walk to the next village, it's destroyed, but you don't tell the players that it's the same village. They're just going around in circles because they've forgotten it, so they just hit the same village that's destroyed again, no memory of it, and you have them going around until they figure, oh. I could be done with that. There's a lot of fun with that, man. Like, imagine just simple things. Like, you walk into a shop, and the the shopkeeper or the bartender or whatever it is behind the counter goes, Ah, welcome back. Long time no see. And then you're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Or they go to pick up their order from something that they put in a couple of days ago, and the shopkeeper says, Ah, welcome, friends. Good to see new faces around here. Or whatever. And they're like, uh, we're here to pick up the order we heard two days ago. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't have any order. I don't think we've ever met before. You must be confusing me with a different shopkeep. And they're like, <laughs> what is going on? You know, Messing with players is the best. Yeah. Because it, it often draws the, the biggest reactions when mm. there's something completely unexpected. Um, I just recently ran a session where I had them all out of nowhere um, they decided to take a, a short rest and out of nowhere I had them realize that they just suddenly woke up from a long rest and Ugh. all of that they were in their they were in their bedrolls and everything around them uh, all of their gear was neatly stacked all carefully placed around them and every single one of the bags and, and pouches and everything they had was open but nothing had been taken what the Whoa. Yeah, exactly exactly Whoa. how frightening oh, is that creepy. you should have seen them <laughs> you should have seen them scramble they were terrified Oh yeah, my god! What was it? Was. What was it? That's really good. That's that really was... good, Damien. I'm writing that down because uh, I've got, it? I've got, I've got, I've got cultists on the who are trying to like basically capture these guys at the moment. So that's quite a good one. That so they go, like... they they basically go for their stuff, but nothing gets taken. Mm. Yeah, they wake or up. They just spontaneously wake up. Yeah, that's that's the one I fear. Where added, yeah. Added. <laughs> um, have you guys heard of the Bagman? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, Rob, have you? You need to have this uh, guy. No, in. no, no. Oh, you got to check. I'll, I'll send it to you when I send you the other thing. It's it's this cool idea for an NPC, uh, or really a creature, a monster, where it lives in your bag of holding. There is a monster, sort of degenerate, long-existing man that can travel between bags of holding, and there are certain rumors about this thing where if you say Bagman three times over an open bag of holding, he comes and finds you in the middle of the night, or if you leave it unattended, he'll crawl out. Sometimes he'll take something from your bag, and that's how you know, but sometimes he leaves something behind from one of his other adventures. So what happens if like, one day you're, uh, you know, one of your players says, alright, uh, I pull out a potion of healing from my bag, and I was like, as you do, your hand grazes something strange, wet, and hairy within and when you pull the potion it's not a potion but instead 
a strange item you've never seen before. And then, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the night, if someone's keeping watch, uh, you can just say you see something shift and move by the bags stacked next to another player. It's such a cool idea for a monster. Mm. Still, it, and it was really just generated from P, uh, DMs, and I think it might have been even a Watsy DM who was just sick of their players using the bag of holding too much and yeah. having too many <laughs> shenanigans with it. And they're like, that's it. I'm putting a monster in this thing. Great idea. Yeah. Really yeah. good idea. Super great. It's, it's also an item that I almost always immediately give a party yep. is a yep. single bag of holding just so I don't have, so they don't have to and I don't have to mm -hmm. worry about carry capacity for anything that isn't bloody huge just yeah, yeah right hey, if you want to pick that up and put it in the bag of holding sure go for it yeah, uh, yeah. and then but then yes the, then the bag man came out i was like well, this is perfect because i've given all my players this one item that i can now use against them <laughs> I yeah, am nice. working on, speaking of which, a sort of master Excel spreadsheet that I'm calling JC's Magic Item Cheat Sheet, um, because I've been meaning to do this for years, and I'm really only just getting around to it. I was like, this is one of my D&D &D 2024 New Year's resolutions. Um, but basically, the, the concept is because I feel like magic items there's there's no good out there there's there's lots of different lists and charts and tables for magic items but they don't accomplish what you really need in a sort of simple way where i want to know at these levels what is a set of good magic items to award them right like you james you're like i almost always immediately give them a back of holding i want to also make sure that if they have a group um, that's not that stealthy, someone gets a cloak of elven kind or boots of elven kind. Or I want them to have what's another popular thing um, that I always tend to give out relatively early. Oh, uh, a, uh, not a rod of rulership. What's the an immovable rod, right? Not super yeah. early, but something like that. So I've actually started this. I've gotten as far as um, mundane to common, and I've started on uncommon. I have yet to finish out rare very rare and legendary items that i want to flesh out on this document but once it's done i'm happy to share it with you guys if you think that'll be something useful for you yeah yeah Actually, definitely yeah. and i have it and i have it like properly sorted with all the all the stuff there so you can easily filter like okay i'm looking for you know uh, a consumable like a one-time use thing a potion okay i can sort by that or i'm looking for something that's cursed okay i can sort by that or i'm looking for something that's something else right so there's a there's a website that i think a few of us know about that sort of already does this and has great filters which i'm using as inspiration but this has it where you can also label it as things that you would get um and, nice. and can distribute pretty relatively easily let me see yeah, I also have. Ooh, this is this is one I wanted to share with you guys. So, for instance, cantrip scrolls. Right, I always forget to award scrolls as magic items that they can find in the world. So, I I wrote down a handful of cantrips and first level scrolls that are good that they might find early on if I want them, especially to accomplish certain things like talk to this corpse. You find a speak with dead scroll, um, or you know you have to communicate. You're in the forest and you you want to send a message back to the town. You find a speak with animal scroll at some point right before that happens. Or, um, you know, little things like that, a vicious mockery, scrolls, a couple of tattoos, the, the useful potions of early on, um, 
A clockwork amulet is another great little common magic item I like to award at times, oh, yeah. or a moon touch sword if they if they meet something that has a uh, res- physical resistance that they have to really really get to a magic item to hurt, um, like a werewolf or something like that. I anyway, have one magic item. Sorry for the rant, but I'm, I'm really excited about should this. Be, should be avoided at all costs. Uh, something that I gave to my players mm. and then lived to regret it for the rest of the campaign um, was a uh, adamantine plate but plus three adamantine plate i did not hit them (laughs) for the rest of the campaign for the rest of the campaign (laughs) (laughs) and if i did it was with a crit that didn't double the damage it just yep standard damage uh waste don't do that don't make that a magic item um wasn't planning on it i know (laughs) definitely don't do that there's Mm. a reason adamantine plate doesn't have any in game <laughs> applications where it's plus one, two, or three, and that is why because it just yeah. makes it impossible to hit your players, and that's yep. not fun. Yep, <sighs> yeah. I'm also a big fan of uh random drawn items or things that like have just random results. Like, uh, you guys know about the robe of useful items, yes, yep. I love something like that, or the wand of wonder where you, every time you use it, you have to roll a d100 and it produces a different mm. effect as that's much. Cool wild magic surge energy i can inject into a game the better basically mm, yeah. just the fact yes. with the cloak you could just pull a dog out of it yep. just a, a dog. <laughs> here's a ladder here's a 10-foot pole here's a boat yeah. here's a dog it seems very dog. like um stage magician-y like oh it's a handkerchief <laughs> up the sleeve and it just keeps going this is a ladder you're pulling out of it yeah. uh, <laughs> it's very fun yeah. It also, yeah. uh, I think the officially the item says something around the lines of you you predetermine what patches are on the robe apart yeah. from the standard ones. But yeah. I never predetermine. I'm like, nope, they are unlabeled, unlabeled, unmarked. Every time you pull out a patch, it generates something new, and you roll oh. in that moment. Uh, yeah, I just do. Well, I just usually if I'm giving one out, I'm like, there's one of every patch on there. So, Ooh. oh, that's <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, nice. That is cool. Yeah, nice. You can use each thing once. So you can produce a dog once, produce a horse once, produce a boat once. <laughs> wow. Can you reproduce another version of that item? Ooh, another. Is there a robe of items? Is that a robe of useful items? Mm. <laughs> no. Yeah, right. No. Okay. No. Okay. No, because I'm a bastard. No. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. The sealed cool. doors online. No. Yeah. <laughs> So do you guys have any tales from the tables from last week or this week so far? I, I do. Ooh. I've got it in the yeah, form of a newspaper article. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. cool. Uh, an in-world uh, <laughs> newspaper article. So um, I had a group of uh, my Spectarian players uh, were breaking out of Revel's End prison, which nice. um, if you've seen the D&D movie, is the prison that they have in, uh, they break out of in that movie. Uh, and they didn't do it, I would say, in quite as graceful uh, a way <laughs> as they managed it in the movie. So, um, what a party not doing things right! What is that? Like? <laughs> so the so the headline is uh, "Tragedy Strikes Revels End Prison as Fire Engulfs Guard Tower Barracks." Um, so basically, they escaped the prison, <laughs> saying, saying fire to it as they went, um, oh, and God. then when they got back to the town, so it was like a six-week ship journey. Um, the news news had already had already reached um civilization i think they were going back to uh neverwinter hmm. <laughs> or Baldur's gate and so they they arrived they went handed over the prisoner that they'd um <laughs> that they'd like 
broken out of prison to the person that, that wanted them broken out. And then uh, they were like, hmm, we did receive news of your coming before this. And then they slid this newspaper over to the, to the players. So it starts <laughs> in a devastating turn of events. Rebels End Prison, a cornerstone of security in the Forgotten Realms, faced a catastrophic fire that consumed the Central Guard's Tower barracks, claiming lives and leaving behind a trail of destruction. The Inferno, reportedly ignited by a kitchen mishap involving cooking oil, swiftly spread through the heart of the prison, leaving in its wake a scene of chaos and tragedy. The Central Guard's Tower barracks, housing the prison's primary security contingent, became the epicentre of the disaster. Preliminary reports suggest that a naked flame exposed to an ill-placed cooking oil store under one of the beds led to the ignition of a hay mattress, resulting in a blaze that quickly overwhelmed the guards' living quarters. The locked door of the barracks room added an additional layer of complexity to the unfolding tragedy, <laughs> hindering evacuation efforts. Oh, Out of the 70-strong guard contingent stationed in the central guards' tower, a grim estimate indicates that approximately half succumbed to the flames valiantly trying to contain the disaster and evacuate their colleagues. Equally devastating were the losses among the incarcerated population. Of the 20 prisoners housed in the affected area, a significant number perished in the blaze. Oh, shoot. A locked barracks room door has raised oh, questions man. about the prison's emergency protocols and whether it contributed to the loss of life. In the Shit. aftermath, Rebels End Prison officials are grappling with the task of accounting for all personnel. Five staff, the players, um, <laughs> and two prisoners... The two prisoners they broke out, uh, they broke out an extra one because they liked them, um, <laughs> remain unaccounted for, their fate unknown. As rescue and recovery efforts continue amidst the still smouldering ruins, one of the prominent figures affected by this tragedy is Warden Marta Marthanis. Known for her affili- affiliation with the Harpers, the fate of Warden Marthanis remains uncertain, and the entire Forgotten Realms community anxiously awaits updates on her well-being. Survivors of the fire describe the harrowing experience, emphasising the locked door as a significant obstacle. We were trapped. The smoke was overwhelming and we couldn't get the door open, recounts a guard who narrowly escaped the blaze. It was chaos inside. We lost friends, colleagues and prisoners. It was a nightmare. The investigation into the cause of the fire and the response procedures is underway and Revel's End Prison faced a long road to recovery. The flames may have been extinguished, but the scars left behind by this tragic event will be etched into the annals of Rebels End history for years to come. Oh, God <laughs> damn. That is amazing. Right. That's that's so I'd really, really drive home that them randomly locking the guards in their room before they set fire to it was maybe a cruel thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the yeah. in-world article approach is the greatest way to do it, too. Mm, it's very it's really nice. Baldur's Gate 3 and the, yeah, the guys mouth. Here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's great. So funny. That's changeable. My gosh. Yeah. Damien, I love how you were just nodding. You like <laughs> you cut yeah, exactly. You were just like downcast eyes nodding, you're like, Yep, yep, players locking doors and setting fire to things. Common, uh, common. Seen it before. So a couple Fair of evil. them were yeah. <laughs> a couple of them were disguised as chefs and a couple of them were guards. So the chefs obtained all this cooking oil from the from the kitchens. Oh my god. Stash it under a bed and then the guards set fire to it and then oh, with their keys just left lock the door, left the uh, snap the key off in the lock and then uh Did they intend away. to kill people or was it just a sort of be a distraction? It was an afterthought, which means that their reactions when I read that to them were devastating. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh, I know so alive. many of my groups that would be like, 
Yeah. Okay. Cool. I don't care. We did it. (laughs) Speaking of um, speaking of Icewind Dale and uh, warning, just ever so slight smaller uh, spoilers. uh, It's like side content spoilers for Icewind Dale, Mm -hmm. Um, but that does something uh, not overly similar. But what it does is, I find players tend to forget that guards and and people like that aren't necessarily evil people. They are people. They are people first and foremost, Damien, and they are doing a no. job. <laughs> They're evil and they, if they oppose the players in any respect. Exactly. Exactly. Oppose... Um, yeah, but exactly. one thing, one thing, Icewind Dale does. Uh, there is a there is two characters in Icewind Dale. One is a humble shop owner, and the other is this is their uh, child, hmm. and their child has got in with a bad crowd. Who who in actuality are actually quite bad. Um, but when my Icewind Dale team encountered them, uh, they found out who they were. Is this Horwar? Yeah. And Cora? Yes! Yeah. <laughs> they found out who this, this young man was mm. and their connection. At the time, we had a player who was in the, the group who was a, uh, a stalwart, uh, law-abiding citizen. Like, you do bad. You punished. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was the that was the, the thought process, and there was something of a leader of the group, uh, and so it was agreed that uh, this young man who'd, who'd been uh, brainwashed into a really bad group of people would be um, would be executed for their part in uh, the recent invasion of a, a place in in Icewind Dale that this group had uh, facilitated. So they executed this young gentleman. Oh my god. Um. And then proceeded to, uh, when they finally got back to the town in Icewind Dale, where the mother lives uh, and owns a, an inn there. For oh it, yeah, great. Um, had to had had to explain what had happened and why. <laughs> wow, that was crazy. Wow. Yeah, that it, it's amazing how much you can twist a knife when they realize. Mm. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I think my saving grace in that scenario was that they met the mom first and she begged them to go rescue her son from yeah. what she assumed was a bad situation. And he became a quasi legendary figure because the canonical name in the module, again, slight spoilers for a side quest. His name is spelled H U A R W A R. How the hell? And like, of course, the DM gets to the, <laughs> finally the name, and you're like in, in characters. The moment you're like, um, you, you have to go find my son, Horwar, 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 And so, for the rest of the campaign, people just called him Horwar, <laughs> <laughs> We constantly, he's no longer at all with the party. They've well moved on from that point, but people will still every now and then go, wah, 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 wah. Forgotten wow. Realms names, man. I was so pleased when they when they brought out uh, Descent into uh, Avernus because there was that oh, the um, pronunciation. Bit, the, the pronunciation, but at the beginning, I was like, I was like oh, wow. Why can't they just do that with all their freaking books? Because, like, mm-hmm. it matters, mm-hmm. like, I've called Theron, 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 Thrun, Thrun, Thrun. I've got all sorts of weird names. I'm like, how the hell do you pronounce this place? Sigil. Yeah. Still not happy about it. I'm not talking about Sigil. <laughs> how do you guys pronounce Asmodeus? Do you say Asmodeus or do you say Asmodeus? Asmodeus, I think. 
Historically, I've said Asmodeus. Asmodeus. Yeah. It sounds as, grander, as, I think. Asmodeus, as in, as in um, Mozart. Uh, no, no, no. Not as Amadeus. Not Amadeus. As Amadeus, isn't it? The Amadeus, Lord yeah. of the Nine. The, the oh, basically right. the Satan equivalent of D and D. Oh the, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, go, I, I go to Mozart. Classically trained, and you've got yeah, yeah, yeah. a foot in the real world, whereas we do not, Rob. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But he's so. I think. I think. I love both, and I hate not using both sometimes because Asmodeus sounds very fantasy scary. It sounds like Sauron to me, right? Asmodeus. It sounds like something from World of Warcraft, like a big BBG mm. from that. But Asmodeus, I think, has the deus part in it, which makes you think of God. And obviously yeah. that's where the name is drawn from, right? So I love using that too and leaning on the sort of quasi-Latin root that that comes from, the Asmodeus mm. thing. Yeah. So I never I never know. I never know what to, to tell my players or to call him. And it just, I sort of let them see the name first and let them make their own opinion about how to pronounce it. And then I'm like, all right, that's, that's what we'll go with. If you're talking in characters, NPCs, they can have different pronunciations. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Someone who, yeah. who someone who is worshiping him maybe does the focus on the deus part, and someone who just thinks of him as some big bad evil creature of myth is, uh, yeah, goes for yeah. Asmodeus. Well, I had a, I also had a player who saw Strahd's name on a letter before they had heard the name, and I swear, to, I kid you not, they looked at it and they were reading it loud and called it Strayed. And I just looked at them, and I was, and I, it was just like a, a skin crawling moment. I'm like, ew, that, <laughs> I don't even pronounce it that way. Strayed. It's, strayed. it's well, it's S T R A S T. I'm like, yeah, that's clearly Strad. There's no e at the end of this. <laughs> ew. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, I do, I do actually yeah. have a quick tale from the table, um, and I wanted to get your opinion on this because here's here's the deal. Uh, this is with the private group that I run uh, on now on Thursdays. So I'm about to meet with them right after this podcast. I know, Rob, don't rush in in editing this too quickly because then it'll be spoilers for them. Um, okay, cool. No <laughs> they'll listen to it. Which, right which, which, group, which group is this? <clears throat> Danny's, Danny E's. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So this is uh, a campaign. I'm, it's called Misbound. It basically is like the grand tour of the of the different domains of dread from Ravenloft setting. And right now they're in Harakir, which is an Egyptian setting. So Ooh, yeah, nice. last session, and, and they've been here a while, right? I, I intended for them to sort of like spend about six to eight weeks in each place and then move on. They've been here for like a year. <laughs> it's been a while. Oh, wow, wow, wow. It's been a while. Um, they TPK'd last session. Oh, shit. And it's a small party. I don't do this often, but there it was a small party. They went into, they're, they're trying to gather basically a few MacGuffins, right? Long story short. And one of the MacGuffins lives in the lair of a Lamia, which if you guys remember the MM, it's basically a conniving Sphinx-esque sort of creature. She's a, she's a half lioness, half woman who has a servant army of jackal wares, which are basically where jackals just the opposite right they're naturally jackals instead of humans um and she lives in a crumbling ruin which her magic disguises as a beautiful 
almost oasis-like underground palace, right? Like a harem, almost. Lots of pillows everywhere, burbling fountains, um, lots of pools, greenery and growth everywhere. And the MacGuffin that they're looking for is there. They knew what they were kind of going into. And they saw the MacGuffin. They confirmed its location. We had spent the whole session sort of negotiating. And then they all sprung an attack, thinking to just take her by surprise, grab the MacGuffin, and run. And instead, they realized that she had cast Mislead, which is one of my favorite spells in 5e for a DM. Um, because you can turn invisible and send an illusory copy of yourself that lasts for an hour that you can control and can speak and act like you so all of their attacks were wasted they didn't see her actual form she was you know just a few meters away hiding behind a pillar watching and they were quickly overwhelmed because they were in the in the layer of this lamia now she's not interested in killing them so when i say tpk actually what i mean is tpu total party unconscious um <clears throat> what she is interested in is servants. And I have this idea I want to run by with you guys to see if you think it's a cool idea. I wanted them to, I want to sort of pick it up with them completely brainwashed as servants, right? And give them maybe 20 minutes of like a skill challenge where they have to serve well, you know, don't spill the platter bring uh give her a good massage make sure the baths are hot that sort of thing and then slowly but surely the illusion breaks over them and they realize they've been there for weeks and time has ticked away and something <laughs> some external catalyst one of their npc allies or something will show up or something i mean i say that but i'm running the session in like two hours i have to figure this out um but <laughs> um you know, an NPC ally will show up and sort of help them break out of there and steal the MacGuffin. You know, they succeed. But starting them off as servants and they don't even realize that they, they've completely forgotten that they were adventurers. They now serve the Lamia and they're, in, they're basically in cahoots. What do we think? Is this good? Yeah. Is this bad? Will they hate it? Love, I love that. I think it should mm. be longer than weeks, though. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> How long, James? <laughs> I would say maybe three month, uh, three to six months. I thought you were going to say years. And I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. See, I don't know your plot. A year, year, years would a year would be cool. Yeah, if it works with the plot that you're trying to work, I would a say yeah, definitely. If you year. can go yeah. to a year, do a year. I could do a year. If they are a year. I don't, if they're all human or uh, two, races, two of them are human. One of them is tiefling. One of them is half elf. Okay, so and Danny, if you, and Danny and Co. If you ever listen to this podcast, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I suppose yeah. Oh, I don't know what age there are, but if you could make something visible, right, right, where they, like, age, so they visibly age, they have somehow. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. Oh, evil. I like it. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah. Where they don't realize how much time has passed that they've just no. been serving this lady, and then they realize it's been so long. I suppose when they when they snap mm. out of it and they and they interact with the the NPC, provided you don't immediately kill them as well, um, they could tell them like you've been missing a year. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, like we had so to come good. find you. We had no idea where you were. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. Actually, you know what I think? The way I can make the time pass. One of the NPCs that's with them is a uh, an elder of a tribe, and he'll have just died in that time. 
There we go. There we go. Because yeah. they were trying to rescue him. He was like the one prisoner that they managed to grab from these jackal mm. wares and try and save him. But now, nope, he's just dead. He's dead. Yep, cool. Yeah. I also oh, yeah. had, I. A, this will be a double whammy because this is also the group that I had set up where it was, oh, it was so good. This uh, Last tale from the table, I swear, I'm taking up too much time. But um, they walked into these jackal wear caverns, right? These sort of caves in a cliffside in, in the middle of the desert. And these jackal wares had been replacing members of a, of a village nearby. And I set it up so juicily kind of on the fly. I didn't really have this intention, but they began to massively suspect that the son of the elder was a jackal wear in disguise, right? Just sort of assuming that position. And as soon as I realized that they had this sort of mysterious thought, because the elder was sick in the in the tent and the son was being very against the party he was very suspicious of the party and they in turn became suspicious of him and the moment that happened i was like here we go i'm gonna fuck with him so hard so i started <laughs> really laying it on thick i had um out of the goodness of their hearts one of them offered a potion of cure disease to the village elder right because he was sick and then i said as you guys walk away you hear a crash and then the sound of glass shattering <laughs> And you turn around and you realize that the sun has knocked the bottle of potion of cure disease over at the bedstand. And immediately, you know, all their suspicions flare up. They're like, oh, this is it. We're going to follow him. We're going to figure this out. Can I cast the tech magic? And I was like, oh, not subtly. And they're like, okay, okay, I'll save it for later. And so I, I planted all these little seeds. And then finally, when they decided to go hunt the jackal wares, I had the sun follow them because he was suspicious of them thinking the same thing they might be jackal wares and they got to the caves and they kept running into some traps they knew that there was a jackal around there somewhere and then the sun shows up behind them and grabs one of them and covers their mouth because he has heard other stuff further on in the caves but at the second that he grappled them they were like that's him get him they murdered him they <laughs> threw him down a spike pit they Ooh. round the corner and guess who's in a cage the village elder <laughs> and they go what and they immediately realize they killed the wrong guy and the village elder is the one being replaced by the jackal <laughs> nice oh, god the, the look on their faces when they realized was worth every moment every yeah, moment that... god yeah that's pretty cool <laughs> Again, the theme of this session is messing with your players, it seems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the things yeah. you can do, right? This is why, Rob, you got to write your thing, RPG. You can just mess with them all day long. I'm yeah. totally going to do it. I'm totally going to do it. I think it'd be brilliant. I think it'd be so much fun. Do you have any any um, uh, Tales from the Tables, Damien? I have a real, up? I have sort of a, re not necessarily a tale from the table, but a sort of a real quick shout out, uh, if I can. Um, oh. I, I ran... Uh, a game of Dungeons and Dragons this Sunday gone for five players um, who are staff at the place I work uh, in the daytime. Uh, oh, nice. A real making silly voices in the nighttime. Um, and uh, yeah, they four out of the five of them had never played D&D before um, in, to the point of not even really understanding what it was about at all. Like they had no preconceptions no about it. No frame of reference. Um, so I just really want to shout out to them because they they threw themselves in wholeheartedly. Nice. We had a really cool little one shot uh, again in a, in a kind of Egyptian setting. The the conceit hmm. of the beginning was very much Jafar 
um, disguised as a beggar, that kind of setup, oh, uh, which is a great oh, setup. Yeah. I encourage That's you great. to steal that from Aladdin. It's a great setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it went the way you imagined it would. Uh, but yeah, they, they threw themselves in. So b- really big shout out to uh, to Jonathan, Reese, Julia, Spen, and Petrina. Uh, you guys were fab. Awesome. Oh, it's always good to hear that when you've got a group that have like, you know, never played before and they throw themselves into it. It's, uh, yeah, it's inspiring stuff, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's so great. You, I always find it. Oh, I mean, I would have guest starred as, um, as uh, the parrot. I uh, yeah, I would have, I would have loved that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about if you I guys. Get one but... more moldy cracker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, brilliant. I don't, I don't know about you guys. But whenever, whenever, whenever I play a session of D and D, it could be like I've been running for like six hours or even longer. As soon as I go home, I always pick up a D and D book and read it. I'm always mm, like, yeah. like it always like inspires me. Like the players always inspire me, and I'm just like, ah, oh, I need to learn how to do more from this. I need to get yep. more from this game. I need to get more. I need to give them more. Yeah. More. Yeah, Do it. I, I just picked up a new book. I got the deck of many oh. things. Oh, cool. Uh, Is it good? Book. I haven't I haven't opened it. I haven't cracked it open yet. Ooh. I literally picked it up, dropped it off at home, and then ran off to do the show last night. Got home late, went to bed later, and then woke up as my phone was going off and looked at it and I was like, oh, Robert Bradley. Oh shit, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my alarms. Uh, so good. I don't mind be- I don't mind being your alarm clock. That's yeah, cool. Sure. Oh, yeah. I'll, 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 nudge, I'll, I'll nudge you next time. <laughs> a personalized call from Honey, wakey, wakey, honey. Wakey, wakey. Yeah. Can you get my wake up call from Ron Bradley? <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. And uh, yeah, thanks to my co hosts. And we will, well, you'll hear us next week. Woo. Thanks, you nice one. Hear you then. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.